doing, I'm doing this the first of three um, reflections, um, which uh, Tim has, has asked me to, to participate in, which I'm very happy to do. Um, three reflections, and uh, I've, I've been kind of casting around for um, what to focus on. And um, actually, it was a particular book that I read recently that um, I found quite helpful. And actually, I, I thought that I would use some of the ideas from that book as a framework for, for these morning reflections. So uh, we're, we're just going to start with, with um, some prayer and then um, I'll, uh, I'll go into the scripture and, and, and the books that we want to think about. So let, let's just pray together for, for, for a minute or so. Lord God, we just thank you that um, we can meet together in this way. Um, we, we thank you that um, even though um, it's been difficult to be together physically, that um, it's been possible for us to stay connected. And we thank you for, for this these morning initiatives. Um, we thank you for a time to draw together and to think about you and about our lives and about our world. Um, we just ask this morning, Father, that um, you will uh, illuminate um, our, our thoughts and our uh, habits and our behaviours um, through your scriptures, through uh, the person um, of, of Jesus. And uh, we ask you this morning, Father, um, just to rest by your Holy Spirit on our minds and on our hearts. Amen. Okay, so um, it's slightly strange actually being the only um, face I can see in the meeting, but but there we go. Um, it's not that, obviously I've been teaching from, for a little while now um, using online technology. so. I'm kind of used to it, but it is a strange experience because you don't get the response. Um, so um, I'm hoping that, that the, the thought for this morning will be helpful. It might be actually that as I say these things, um, you kind of think, yeah, well, that's all just common sense, John. And, and, and why is it taking you so long to work this stuff out? Um, so it might be that this is really the only that I'm the only recipient of this um, this message this morning. Um, I, but it might be that it's helpful um, for you. It was certainly helpful for me. Um, the book that um, really triggered the thinking here um, is a book by uh, an American writer and pastor called John Mark Comer. And the book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And uh, the, the subtitle at the bottom, I, I found quite appealing when I saw it. Um, how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. Um, and, and I read this actually before coronavirus kicked off. So, so the idea of chaos in the modern world uh, really has been uh, exemplified recently, but in an interesting way, actually, um, I think. And um, I, I should probably say um, that I don't actually think it's brilliantly written. Um, and that's me as a kind of literature buff. Um, it's got a very kind of conversational style. Um, and so I, I wouldn't say that it's great literature, um, but there is there are messages in here that I think are really, really good. And it certainly challenged me and my thinking. Um, 
and essentially it, it's a book about spiritual disciplines it's it's a book you know and i know there are lots of books out there about this um but it, it has a central idea in its arguments which again i'm sure many of you listening to this will think well it, again that's just common sense john but the essential argument is this that that Often we think about um, the Gospels and, and the Bible and, and, and the story of Jesus as a story of salvation, which it is, um, and wonderfully so. Um, and, you know, the person of Jesus, um, that we think about what he means in terms of God's salvation plan for the world. And so we're kind of processing Jesus's life when we read the Gospels sometimes um, theologically. Um, so we're thinking about his deity and we're thinking about, um, you know, big ideas like atonement. Um, and, and that's all good. That's all good. And, and certainly I think um, because of the way that I am as a person, I often, I think, process the scriptures thinking theologically. Um, but um, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, in the book, uh, John Mark Comer essentially puts forward the idea that um, it's easy to forget that in the person of Jesus, what we have is a template for human living. Um, that being a disciple of Jesus means more than just believing in who he is and what he has done for us, although that's really important. Um, being a disciple of Jesus isn't just about being fishers of men, and that's really important too, and women. Um, but being a disciple of Jesus um, also means that um, we ought to model ourselves after his example about how to be um, a, 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 fully, uh, a fully human um, person um, who, who lives a full life according to God's plans. And, and the idea goes that rather than seeing Jesus as a kind of unusual human being who could only live in a particular way because he happened to be the son of God, but rather seeing him as a blueprint human being um, who, who um, models for us how to behave. Um, and, you know, it's the kind of message that I've heard before, but um, the book was particularly good, actually, at suggesting that um, if, if we live more like Jesus in terms of our day-to-day -day habits, not in a kind of theological sense or even a spiritual sense, but it's in a practical sense, in an economic sense, in how we spend our time and our money, uh, we're likely to be more content human beings. And that the modern world is a difficult place in which to be content, in which to not be um, incredibly uh, kind of hurried and harassed and stressed um and in fact it's geared up that way uh, actually to make people feel like that and that um one of the clearest ways to to find contentment within the modern world is basically to try and live like jesus would live if he was you in a modern society it doesn't mean we all have to wear sandals um it doesn't mean that we all have to move to um israel palestine uh it doesn't mean that uh, it just means that if Jesus was uh, you in our society today, what kind of behaviors, what kind of decisions might he make uh, practically about how he goes about his day-to-day -day life? I think it's a really good question. So um, I've got a couple of readings, if that's all right. So, so the, the, the first session, this one, is going to be about, um, it's going to be about possessions and it's going to be about money. Uh, possessions and money. And actually Jesus had a lot to say about possessions and money in, in the gospels 
Um, and I think in America, there's lots of talk about money in churches and some would say probably too much sometimes. And there are certainly some um, derivatives of uh, things like prosperity gospel where um, there's a kind of promise that if you behave a certain way or do a certain thing that somehow you'll be wealthier. And obviously there's a kind of blending of what we might call the American dream or the promise of capitalism um, and the Christian message. And, and in America, there's a particular, America's a big place. Uh, there's lots of different, but, but I think there's a lot of talk about money in America in the church. Um, I would probably suggest to us that there's probably not enough talk about money and possessions in the English church or the British church, whatever you want to call it. Um, we, we, because we're British, I think we're a little bit more careful about talking about money and a bit more reluctant to talk about money. Um, and I think probably we should be a bit more open about it. Um, and, and I don't just mean trying to raise money for, for the church, which is a good thing to do uh, as long as it's stewarded properly. Um, but about our relationship with money, uh, actually, and our relationship with, with objects. So um, the, the reading is in Luke chapter 12, um, Luke 12, and it's taken from uh, verse 22 in Luke 12. And you'll probably recognize this reading. And it's actually just a really, really clear common sense teaching. <laughs> um, it's just really practical. So let me just read it for you. And then maybe just a couple of thoughts. So Luke 12, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? That's a great question, isn't it? <laughs> Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What a great piece of scripture. And I don't think that we should say, okay, well, that's fine at the time, but today it's quite different. I think it's a really, really apt piece of scripture for the modern world because the bit that's well there's a few bits that really stand out to me or stood out to me when I read this but the first thing where it says the pagan world runs after all such things I think is a um, fantastic 
uh, and true description of our society. In fact, probably even more so. Um, and it's, it's encouraging, isn't it, that the same was true when Jesus walked the earth, that society hasn't changed that much. We've probably just got better at running after such things or we're running after such things more quickly or there are more things to run after. But essentially the human problem is the same, which is that um, if you're not um, in Christ, um, it is likely that you will follow the, the, the regular pattern of the world, um, which um, it would seem has been for centuries, which is about running after things, um, seeking out things to find contentment and to be happy. Um, and, and I guess what we now call capitalism um, is, is exactly that. It is about the accumulation of wealth. And, and one of the things that made me think about this particular topic is, I'm sure like me, you've read in the news, you know, recent kind of analysis of the economy and that the, they're now forecasting a deeper recession than originally thought um, and less of a recovery than originally thought. And um, if the coronavirus has done one thing that might lead to some good in the world it's to shake the foundations of the capitalist system and i'm not saying that capitalism is is necessarily evil i'm just saying that um we can't go on accumulating wealth um we can't just keep growing um economically and expect that the world will be better because of it um and any 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 belief system that that is rooted in accumulation that more wealth means more contentment and happiness i think is fundamentally flawed and actually completely misses the point of the human condition and what life is for um and and there's lots of research by the way beyond the scriptures of course there's lots of research out there that suggests that when when people get to a certain point in terms of their earnings that any any earnings beyond that point actually decrease happiness rather than increase happiness that actually the more wealthy people become once you get beyond i'm not saying i'm not advocating poverty by the way I, i'm i'm not advocating that and i don't think the scripture advocates poverty either because it says um uh, seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well so it's not saying be poor it's not saying that you're holier the more poor you are that's a misunderstanding i think of what christ is saying here um, it's just saying that, that these things shouldn't be front and foremost in our minds, or at least we shouldn't believe even subconsciously that somehow gathering material possessions is going to make us happier people. In fact, it's probably going to have the opposite effect. Um, so that's, that's really important. And, and what it made me think of this, this passage, particularly with the imagery about birds and flowers, is it took me right back to the Garden of, of Eden in my mind. And whenever we're talking about blueprints for human living, it's always worth, I think, going back to the beginning of the scripture where God kind of established his original blueprint of how he wanted human beings to live. And, and, and so, and, and, you know, if, if we believe that Jesus is the kind of the second Adam, and in that sense, he is a kind of a reboot of the human design and that he, 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 he walked the earth in order to um, show us what it means to be and a kind of original human and get it right um then then there's there's often guidance at the beginning of the bible about god's original design about how he wanted human beings to live 
Um, and of course, that natural imagery reminds us that God's original design was to place us in a garden um, where we could walk with him and be and, and commune with him. And you will remember, of course, famously that, that Adam and Eve didn't wear clothes when they were <laughs> when they were first designed. Um, and so, um, I mean, John Mark Comer in his book, there's a really interesting chapter about the clothing industry itself, which is which is one of the biggest um, kind of uh, exploitative industries that exist in our modern world. Um, and um, that bit didn't challenge me too much because I'm not a clothes fiend. I, I don't care that much about clothes, but I know some people really love clothes um, and that's fine um, as long as it's not where their heart is um, and that we don't seek to obtain more than we actually need. Um, I have other weaknesses, <laughs> uh, other things that I, I like to uh, desire. Um, but um, so Genesis 1 says this, Genesis 1 verse 29, then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I will give, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And the notes that I put in the Bible is that it was about provision rather than wealth. There wasn't any sense in the original design that human beings should therefore stockpile these things. That actually God uh, created a plan for humankind which said, I'm going to provide your needs so that you don't need to worry about stuff. Because if you're worrying about stuff, you're not spending time with me or just enjoying the stuff that you've been given. And so the original design was really quite minimal, wasn't it? It was, it was you know, don't, you don't need other things than this. You know, here's, here's a garden, you've got shelter here. There's food, you've got, you've got companionship, you've got the beauty of nature. That is everything you need to be happy. Um, you don't need anything else. And of course, the fall, the so-called fall, was about desiring something that, that we weren't supposed to have. It was saying, hang on, there's, there's a fruit over there that, that I've been told I can't, I can't take, and yet I want it. And that, that desire for more, that essentially that kind of greed that I should be able to have everything is what originally leads to, to the fall. Um, and then, of course, you'll know that later in, in chapter three, God actually makes them clothes as a kind of act of grace to say, OK, now that you know that you're naked, I suppose we better make some clothing. Um, and it's really interesting to me that in the modern world, clothing now is still one of the biggest um, damaging industries in our modern world. Um, so there's there's a whole study about clothing, I think, which is quite interesting. Um, and you could go all the way through and you could think about Joseph and you could think about Solomon and you could think about clothing as, as, a, as a whole sub study, which might be quite interesting. Um, I, I just want to read. Um, sorry, that's my phone, which I'm just going to mute. Um, I also want to read this scripture from Psalms because I think it reinforces the point. So this is Psalm 39. Um, Psalm of David. Uh, verse four in Psalm 39, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. All sounds quite ominous, doesn't it? And then it says this, surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain, they rush about heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. 
And, and I guess it reinforces the idea that pursuit of wealth and possessions um, leads to a phantom-like human existence. Um, it's not a full human existence. It is a phantom-like human existence, which was not um, how we were intended to be. Um, now, this is really quite challenging for me. Like everybody else, I, I find myself sucked into the modern world. I find myself sucked into the genius of marketing and advertising and capitalism. I spend, I, I confess to you live on Facebook that I spend too much time thinking about things like bass guitars and looking at um, whether I should have more of them or whether I should have one with five or seven strings or whether I should have the one with the maple fretboard or, um, or not. I probably spend too much time um, thinking about other things that I like to buy, like board games. Um, you know, they're all, they're not terrible things. <laughs> like they're all good things, but, but and, and I'm not saying that wanting to buy a new space guitar is necessarily sinful, but it, it's a problem if it dominates my mind more than God does. And it's a problem if um, actually my resources are channeled in that direction when they could be channeled more towards um, giving uh, to the poor. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the, the conclusion of the do not worry passage in, in Luke, Luke 12. He says, uh, Jesus says, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now, again, I don't believe that means that we shouldn't have any possessions at all, but it essentially saying you should sell your excess. If you have excess, you, you should kind of rationalize that excess and, and and rather than tying up your, your earnings in direct debits and higher purchase schemes and buying a new shiny car because, you know, it's shiny, um, we, we should um, seek to uh, not tie up our wealth in those things and instead uh, have the capacity to, to um, give to the poor. Right. Uh, Tim has very helpfully sent me a message that said I'm going on too long. Um, so apologies for that. Um, there's a thought um, and I hope it's useful um, and I hope um, it's something that, that might be helpful. Um, so I'll just wrap up with a very quick prayer. Father God, thank you that you have blessed us with such an abundant and rich earth. And we pray that you'll help us to just evaluate our relationship to our stuff and think very carefully about how we spend our wealth um, to, to benefit those around us who have less. Uh, thank you for how practical your scriptures are. Thank you for the model of Jesus as the blueprint human being. Um, and we ask you to just guide us through the rest of this day. Amen. Amen.